good morning. Praise the Lord. This is uh, Manifest Church. We welcome you, and we're glad that you're with us this morning again. And those of you who are watching and listening later, we thank you and welcome you for being uh, our guests in this live stream or watching the video later. I pray that this message will empower uh, your life and encourage you to, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, to turn to Him. I pray that it encourage you and edify you. Um, and also, I pray that if you do not know the Lord, that you would come to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would repent and believe on the Lord Jesus. That's why we exist. We don't exist for any other reason. We exist to glorify him and to tell people about him. And so, Lord, that, uh, we thank you for that privilege of doing that. So welcome you uh, to, the pod, to the podcast and the stream. Uh, today, we're going to continue in the book of Daniel, where we have been. Daniel chapter seven is where we are. And I'm going to get there to my notes, and I want to pray before we get started so that we can uh, invite the Holy Spirit to minister to us as we are continuing in this series. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to be able to, to stand here today, to be able to minister your word. It is an honor and a privilege to do so, Lord. You didn't have to call me. You didn't have to save me, Lord, but I'm so grateful that you did. I'm so grateful that you've given me uh, this privilege of serving you, Lord, this gift. And I cherish it, Lord, and I thank you. And I ask you, Lord, to be glorified that when I preach, Lord, you would give me boldness and your power to be in my life, Lord. Lord, I'm not wise enough. The wisdom comes from you. You said if we, if we, we, we lack wisdom, we ask and you'll give it to us. And so, Lord, we ask you for your wisdom. Today, we ask you to speak to our hearts Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Move in every person and every life, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, so we are uh, continuing today in Daniel chapter 7, as I mentioned. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, again, we have been looking at end times. We've been looking at what is going to happen. And uh, this is the third part of the message, the return of the king. Uh, how many of you are looking for that day for Jesus to return and to make all the wrongs right, amen, and to set up the kingdom of God, glory, uh, that he, it will have no end. <laughs> right now, we are in, we're, we're going through some things. We're suffering in this life, but we have a greater uh, thing that is coming. The Apostle Paul said, uh, our momentary trials do not begin to compare with the glory that we're going to see. Hallelujah. It doesn't compare. There is no comparison to what's awaiting us. Uh, one one uh, writer put it, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has in store for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Isn't that awesome? That God has a plan that is, is all working out. We just have to hold on by faith and trust everything is going to go the way he said it. That's the biggest thing that we have to do. We have to believe. You remember the story Jesus was was telling about this uh, wicked king who this woman uh, kept coming to the king and asking for justice for her son. And this king was like worn out by this lady coming to ask for justice. And the king, not because he was a good king, but because he was tired of her coming to him for justice. He gave her son justice. And Jesus said, if our God is, is not with holy righteous don't you think he'll give us justice don't you think he's going to do what he said he's going to do and jesus said when i come back will i find such faith on the earth 
that faith to trust God no matter what you see with your eyes. Because the Bible is clear, the righteous live by faith. The righteous do not live by what they see. Because what, what is in this natural world is going to change. There's a day coming when everything will change. And this we're going to talk about. Daniel, remember, Daniel is seeing a, a vision and a dream of the end of what's going to happen. But he sees it from God's perspective. King Nebuchadnezzar saw from man's perspective how the end would be. Daniel, God gives Daniel this vision, this dream, and now he sees it from heaven's perspective of what's going to happen. Isn't that awesome? You know, because one, one perspective is, oh, this wonderful image of this strong man with a golden head and all this. And God sees man's kingdoms and he says, ferocious beasts that devour everything. You see? See, man's attempt to rule himself apart from God, we become beasts. And we devour and destroy everything. Apart from God, men are evil. And we need God. That's why he sent his son, praise God, for, for, to redeem us from the evil within our hearts. Um, so as we continue in this, uh, I gave you three reasons last week from Scripture for the basis of the second coming of the Messiah. I gave you three reasons from Scripture, and, and I gave you some Scriptures concerning those bases. Remember, um, if you're taking notes, you can go to Leviticus chapter 26, verses 40 through 42. One of the Scriptures we mentioned was Jeremiah 3, 12 through 8, Hosea 5, 15. Hosea chapter 6, verse 3. The one that I, I, I spent a lot of time on were these two, or the ones that I spent more time on last week was Zechariah uh, 12.10. Remember that? That's a wonderful scripture we're going to uh, look at again. And Zechariah, and then Matthew 23, the Oliver Discord, where Jesus is talking about eschatology. He's talking about end times. Uh, and... Uh, a lot of people use some of this, the, the verses in Matthew 23 through 24 uh, to, to talk about the church end times. But that's not the church. This is speaking of the times of the tribulation period. The church is not going to be there. I know there are some who believe in end times that believe the church will go through tribulation. There are different views of that I don't want to get into. But there are uh, premillennialists, which is us. There are post and there are uh, there's just different views on how some will some believe that you will uh, mid trib. They believe that the tribulation will come. You'll suffer. And those who stay f faithful will go up later in the tribulation, which I, there's just a lot of complications for that for me. But anyway, there are different beliefs and we can have grace in that. We don't have to uh, be divided about that. I just firmly believe why according to my study in scripture why i believe we are pre-tribulation saints that the church will be taken before god's wrath is poured on the earth because we are not meant for wrath remember that you know the church and and thessalonians is not jesus uh excuse me paul writes to the church when they thought the second coming came jesus already came and they were left behind remember they were concerned their minds were were, were bothered because Somebody was spreading a rumor that Jesus already returned is over, you know, and Paul has to deal with that and say, no, no, you're going to know because it's going to happen. Everybody's going to know it's going to happen. You're going to see it. <laughs> the whole world's going to see that day. And uh, he said, I've talked to you about this. Don't listen to these people, you know. 
Even Jesus said it in the times of the tribulation. Be careful to don't listen to these false messiahs that say, hey, Jesus over there. No, no, don't follow them. So out of those verses, I gave you three reasons uh, or three reasons for that basis. And that that is the second coming of the Messiah is wrapped up in Israel is concerning uh, the second coming of the Messiah will not happen until Israel as a nation is saved. Uh, until Israel as a nation looks to the one whom they pierce. That's in Zechariah 12, uh, 12, 10. Until, the Israel's, uh, until Israel as a nation cries out to him to return. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You remember Jesus said that in Matthew 23, verse 37 through 39. He's, he's, he's looking over Jerusalem. He says, I wish I could gather you, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And he said, you will not see me again until you learn to cry out. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Satan doesn't want this to happen. That's why we talked about this last week. He's persecuting the Jewish people in the time of tribulation. So they don't cry out to God. The problem is their persecution causes them to cry out. Isn't that wonderful that the church? Listen, when you look at when you look at the Bible and you see when the pressure is turned on the people of God, what happens? They turn to God. But, you know, remember in, when, uh, when Moses told the people, hey, God's going to bring you into these lands. You're going to become wealthy and you're going to become well. You're going to have everything. Don't forget the Lord. Remember? Don't forget it was his hand that brought you here. When things are going well, it's just natural. It's our human nature. When everything's going well, we don't think about God. We forget God. Yeah, well, everything's good. But when things go wrong, oh, God, <laughs> yeah. that is the natural response. Cry out to him. And God knows that. That's why that's why he allows these things to happen. He even wants this to happen because that persecution of Israel is a time of their of their uh, purification for them to cry out to him because they have sinned against him just as we Gentile believers have sinned against him and the persecutions that the, the people face in this world because of Christ are a part of the package of being a believer. It's not, you know, I know that it does, it's not, that's not a popular message today to say that uh, we, were, we were called to suffer as Christians. That's not very popular today. It's, uh, you know, again, no one wants to suffer. No one likes to suffer, but it's part of the process. Jesus said, hey, listen. If they persecuted me and I'm the master, what do you think is going to happen to you? If they call me a prince of demon, what do you think they're going to call you? Those who follow Jesus, right? There's going to be persecution simply because you love him and you bear his name. And you tell people about him, persecution comes. Now, if you don't face persecution, he said, well, maybe it's because you don't know him. Because you are like the others. You're, You're a part of that. So... That's another thing to think of. Consider maybe maybe I'm not being persecuted by anyone or, or, or going through some suffering because I, you know, and um, Lord wants me to go here. <clears throat> One of the things about suffering, we always only translated me and my wife are having a conversation, but we only translate suffering with when we see our Christian brothers being beaten or put in jail. But suffering is also a denial of self. That we suffer as Christians, that we deny our flesh its desires. Because our flesh wants things. 
that are contrary to God, right? They're contrary to this. And we have to suffer ourselves not to do it. Because the other way is I just go do what I want to do. Hey, just do whatever my, 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 my body urges to, for me to do and sin against God. So we suffer in that. We suffer loss from family members who don't want to be around us anymore because of our faith. That's a form of suffering. We may lose on an opportunity in a job because we, we, we may say, listen, I worship on Wednesdays or I worship on Sunday and I can't go to work or Sunday morning. I'll work in the evening, but I won't work in the morning. So if you call me, if that's a problem, then I, I understand you can't hire me. But not today. Christians don't care now. Christians will work anytime, any way. They don't care about, uh, I'll, work, I'll work when God's, when it's God's time. I'll do whatever. And they forget that the Bible says, as the day is approaching, we need to be faithful to gathering together. Okay? We don't need to be in the habit of forsaking the fellowship. We need to be together even more. You know, it's funny, in, in our culture... It's just the way it is, right? Uh, when you, we look at the church in the, their times, they met all the time. They were always together. You know, they constantly met all the time. It's like, we like, oh, my gosh, okay, hermano, hermana, this enough. Or brothers, <laughs> woo, we had enough of that person, right? But they, they met together regularly, not just on, on one specific day, but they had moments together. And it's pretty amazing, the community of believers, what was happening um, again, they, they had their problems just like we do, of course. I mean, no church is perfect because the only perfect one is Jesus. And we're still human beings and we have our flaws and we have our things. But, but the, the, listen, I believe one of the biggest reasons that the church is so uh, nonchalant about coming together is because we aren't experiencing the persecution that comes from following Jesus yet. Because we lived in a society that our founding fathers were Christian belief. It was founded on Christian beliefs. So, of course, in America, you can freely worship. You can do that. But that doesn't happen everywhere in the world. But it's pre- the pressure is being applied now. More generations that are growing up that don't know God in this country, who don't care about God. We have, we have presidents. We have senators, congressmen who don't believe in God, people in authority judges police officers who do not believe in god and guess what because what you're saying and it insults their sin you are going to be persecuted for that when you listen it's happening right here in america did you know uh not too long ago let's say last month a young man was at a park okay public park in america in uh, i think it was in philadelphia in america he had his little speaker and a microphone in his bible and he was reading from the book of galatians he was reading from the book of Galatians, and you know what was happening in front of him? There were transgender people reading and doing stuff with, with children in the park. And he was reading from the scripture, and you know what they did to him? They arrested him. Where in America have we ever heard that a person who was preaching the gospel, reading from the Bible, would be arrested? Oh, this would happen in, oh, Iran, you know, places like that, Muslim countries, right here in America. This is happening. In America, a Christian for reading the Bible. He wasn't even being confrontational. He was reading the scriptures in loud so that they can hear the word of God. And that young man was arrested. And they used a phony, oh, noise citation to do it. They violated, violated his freedom of speech. 
which is a right that God gave us, not government. God gave us the right to speak. So again, we see this is happening. When the church is persecuted, the church should do this. How many of you know when it's hard and you, and you can't gather with your brothers and sisters, it's hard to go through it alone? You don't have someone to talk to, someone to pray with you, someone to encourage you. Yes, we have a relationship with the Lord, but man, we like his hands and feet, right? His body. He's the head and we're the body. And what happens is we think, oh, I don't need my brother and sister. No, we do. We need them. We need their encouragement. We need their, the joy that God puts in their life, the, the, the hug from them, the sister, brother, how are you? And, and praying with you and, and reminding, I'm with you. Don't you continue to fight the good fight. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. But see, when, when everything's going well, we uh, it's, if we can, we can. No big deal. But when the pressure tur- is turned on, my hope and prayer is that the real body of Christ in America would begin to get closer and closer together. That the church churches will be full again with Christians. <laughs> and you know what? I, I was, I've been preaching this a lot. Churches right now, in the West, which America is part of it, our mindset has been different. Our mindset has been, hey, let's build something so they come. In Matthew, the Great Commission, Jesus said, he didn't say build and make disciples. What did he say? Go and make disciples. Christians attend fellowship. Non-Christians do not come to fellowship. Christians go to them in the world and make disciples. And once they become disciples, they come with you to the fellowship. Why? Because they're Christians now and they want to be there. And when I was in the world, there's no way I say it all the time. If I was lost, there was no way you're going to wake me up and be at a church at eight o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning after I got out the nightclub. You think I'm coming to church, wake up and go to church and praise God. What God are you talking about? My God, I prayed to before I went to bed. Right. But when you belong to him, man, I I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. (laughs) Hey, what a joy it is to be with God's people, with my brothers and sisters that gather together and to learn and to hear from God's word and be encouraged. So I can take what is given to me that day and take it out this week and share with other people and bring the word of God to them. That is what we're supposed to do. Pastor isn't supposed to go everywhere and try to make disciples. I got my own responsibility. My responsibility is to you, to uh, the Bible says that we're, we're responsible with the gift that God has given us to equip the saints for works of ministry. To teach you the word of God, to have a heart af- after the Lord, to, to love you like he loves you. And that's hard sometimes. Pray for me. <laughs> but see, God... I, don't, I just had to go there. I just God took me to another place there. But anyway, get back to, to where we are. Um, that was my little uh, chasing of a rabbit. Go with me to Daniel chapter 7. <laughs> I just know, okay, Lord, I'm coming back. Mm. All right, Daniel chapter 7. I want you to see verses, our main text, verses 25 through 28. Here's what it says. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law. 
and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. And my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Wow, what a moment. Daniel ah, making a statement that he was just alarmed by what he saw. The first point I want to make today is that the little horn there in verse 25. Remember, the little horn is speaking of the Antichrist that we understand him to be today. He is the beast of Revelation. He is the Antichrist that Daniel speaks about. I mean, excuse me, John speaks about in his letters in 1 John, where he writes about the spirit of the Antichrist. He is against Christ. He is in place of Christ. Remember, we talked about that. Remember, uh, I mentioned to you the Antichrist is not. He is a created being. He is not God. The dragon, who is the devil in Revelation, He's a created being. He is not God. He cannot do what God does. That's why he's, cre- he's causing, uh, he's going to use technology that man has created. He's going to use the technology in this world so that he can fool people to think he's God. See, technology right now, every information about us is on the Internet. Do you know that? All the information, when you go on an app, when you use this or use that, All that information is being collected in this massive, let's call it a brain, right? To make it simple. And it's all going to be useful for the man, the man of lawlessness that Paul writes about in Thessalonians. He's the man of lawlessness that he's going to come and he's going to use the technology in the world. Do you know right now there's technology called Neuralink? They can put it in your head. So that you can be connected to the Internet. Uh, They are making technology today that will make the blind see and the lame walk. Remember uh, Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonians. He's going to come with false miracles. Satan is going to come. He's going to this man of lawlessness. The Antichrist is going to have false miracles. Why are they false? Because he's using technology to do it. Because without technology, the, the person can't see. Without technology, he won't, the person won't be able to walk. Without technology, he won't be omniscient, omnipresent. He needs technology. Uh, that's why, you know, right now they're creating 15-minute cities. They want to have everything within 15 minutes of you. That sounds good. Hey, everything's 15 minutes, but guess what? You stay there. You can't go. You can't go from like we now we've had the freedom today. If we want to all go, let's go take a trip. We're going to we're going to Alaska. No, you cannot. You cannot leave from your zone. This is your zone. And you have to pay a lot of money to be able to go to Alaska right now. We can get in our car, drive as far as we can and then take a ferry across to Alaska. It's a cheaper trip. You can fly there. Right. 
So again, there are things in working right now that is going, and it's all going to be useful for the Antichrist so that he can look like he's God, but he's not. Okay? He has to deceive. So that's what I was talking about. This little horn in Daniel's vision, he is going to speak words against the Most High. He's going to speak against God. He's going to blaspheme God. And then he's not only is he going to blaspheme God, but then he's going to begin to persecute God's people. So, and I want you to understand, because I had a conversation with a family member. They asked a question, and it was great, because sometimes when we're looking at end times, we're thinking uh, the saints refer to us, the Christians. It's not. This is referring to Israel. Because now the saints are uh, the, the saints of now we're gone <laughs> in this time period. OK, I just want to remind you, the church is not here during the Great Tribulation. So the saints in the Great Tribulation are Israel who is coming to be saved. They've seen, you know, they're coming to know him. Remember, I told you that uh, the Bible is clear in Revelation that God is going to send one hundred and forty four thousand Jewish evangelists, 12,000 from all the tribes of Israel. He's going to seal them, and they're going to preach the gospel all over the world. They're going to preach the gospel to all of Israel, and they're going to preach the gospel all over the world. And they cannot be touched by the Antichrist or or Satan. He won't be able to harm them. So the gospel is going to be spread through all the world, as the Bible says. When it's all over the world, then the end will come. Remember, we know Jesus said this, but it's for that time. Because what we, what we didn't get to, the places of the world that we as a church did not get to, they will get to it. Because, you know, there's still places the gospel hasn't gotten to in the world. Even though we have satellites, even though we have all that. But those people don't have nothing like that. When I remember when I would go to Guatemala and we would go into the jungles and bring the gospel to the people. They were hearing it for the first time. Some of them never heard it. They were speaking Kechi, which is a Mayan dialect. And, and it was beautiful, but it was like, you know, people had gone, and, and, and so there was some penetration, but there were others who, who still had never heard the gospel. And so this is what happens. And you go deeper in the jungle, there are probably more uh, places like that. So these are the things that God is going to send them to preach the gospel all over the world because that's what he said he would do. And God does not lie. What he says, he's going to do. So what the church missed out on in getting the gospel everywhere, they're going to go and get it. It's going to hit all corners of the earth. Everybody's going to hear the word of God. Everybody will give an opportunity, even in the tribulation. That's the goodness of God, the mercy of God. Even in his judgment, God remembers mercy. Even when God is judging the world, he's remembering mercy because he's sending the gospel out. Even in that time, we know the gospel is going to go out that time. But those who believe are going to be killed for their faith. Many of them will be. Some will some will get through the the time, but not all of them. Many who believe in that day are going to be killed for their faith. So he's going to turn in wrath. I want to show you this again in uh, Revelation chapter 12. I don't know my time. I know it was off by 20 minutes, so I'm going to try to. We start a little late today. I rejoice because God is faithful. Even though it's a little warmer here, it's not too hot outside. (laughs) My AC is kind of acting up today. But I thank God for his faithfulness. Uh, Roman, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter 12. I want you to see 
uh, uh, we're going to look here at verses 12 through 17. This is the moment that the dragon, who is Satan, is cast into the earth. And he can no longer go before God. He's cast into the earth. We're talking about end times now. He's cast into the earth. Because right now, Satan is able to accuse us before God day and night. Did you know that? He's the accuser. Jesus said he's the accuser of the brethren. Satan is accusing you before God every day. But thank God for Jesus Christ. <laughs> he paid it all. Amen. Like the old hymn, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Because he paid it all, we owe him our lives. Amen. Jesus paid it all. So here in Revelation chapter 12 says, and they uh, excuse me, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. That woman here represents Israel, the nation of Israel. And uh, she gave birth to the male child. You know who that is? Jesus Christ. She gave birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came from Israel. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured, poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so uh, to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to help, uh, came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman, and he went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. He stood on the sands of the sea. Woo, man! He is angry, furious. At this moment, Satan is. See, at this moment, I want you to understand that there, there, there's more to this. There's so much that I cannot get into, but I want to give you just a kind of an overview here. What's happening in Daniel now, he sees the kingdom, he sees the, the court open to judge. And what this is doing is setting up, setting up for Jesus' return. And setting up for his millennial reign on the earth physically. He's going to reign. Jesus is going to reign physically from Jerusalem on David's throne for a thousand years physically. That's all. I mean, you don't understand. And guess who's going to be with him? We are. The saints. Because we're coming with him. We're the, we're the, we're the, we're the army with the Lord. But he don't need us because the sword is going to come out of it. We're going to look at this. It's going to be an awesome scene. We are going to be with him. On this earth, reigning for a thousand years, and when that is over, he's going to listen because he's going to bind Satan and put him in a in a in a pit for a thousand years. You can see this in Revelation chapter twenty. He binds him there for a, a thousand years, and then he lets him out. And Satan is going to go deceive the nations again to try to one more battle against Jesus, and then Jesus is going to take care of it. And then comes the new heaven and the new earth where God now lives with men. We're no longer God up there. Or God is, no, God will dwell with us. 
And the light will be the sun. S-O-N. <laughs> the light of the world will not be a sun. S-U-N will be the S-O-N. God, his God, the sun will be the light for us. Man, that is just amazing. It, that's why no one understands this. No one, none of us can comprehend what that day is going to look like. That's why Paul was saying what we're going through right now, it does pales in comparison. There is no comparison to what is awaiting the people of God. So just hang in there. Do not do not lose faith. Do not do not shrink back. Continue to believe. You know, the Bible says it's impossible. Though if we don't believe God, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We need to believe him. We need to trust him. Even when things don't seem like they're going the way he said they would. Okay. So the Antichrist. So let me let me back up a minute. So when the church is removed, he's going to strike. Think about this, the world, what it's going to look like at this time. I'm going to kind of we'll get back next week. Think about a world right now, all the billions of people on this planet. And one moment, all the Christians are taken from the earth. What do you think is going to look like this world? Chaos. Oh, my airplanes falling down, cars hitting buildings and traffic signals and all i mean everything in chaos jobs computers breaking down everything going why because they're christians working too they're christians flying planes they're christians driving buses they're christians driving trains i mean can you imagine the chaos when the church is taken from the earth and guess what what is happening in our world today think about what is happening in our world today Everybody is looking to a man to save us. The world is. Some are looking for Joe Biden to save them. Some are looking for Donald Trump to save them. Some are looking for someone else to save them. But Christians, we're not looking for politicians to save us because they can't. We're looking for Jesus to return. The king, the return of the king. <laughs> that king. And yeah, I know we have to do things in the world to, to help uh, stop the forces of darkness from doing bad in our society. But the true one we're waiting for is not a man. It's Jesus Christ. But the man without the Lord isn't thinking like that. The man with the world is looking for, hey, we need somebody to get us out of this mess. And, and what do you see? All It's been doing that. So you've been seeing this over the years. It's been, oh, we, if we just get this person, everything's going to be great. If we, just, if we just have this person, everything's going to be wonderful, right? Because man is looking for man for the solution. And Christians know the solution will always be Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? Jesus is the only one that can set all the wrongs right. Jesus is the one who's going to come in righteousness and holiness. I mean, and justice. Jesus is going to be awesome. And that's who we're waiting for. But the world is not. The world is waiting for someone to get them out. So imagine all the chaos that's going on in the world is going to give rise to that one. The beast of Revelation, the Antichrist, he's going to come and say, hey, I'm here. Hey, he can fix it all. I know the aliens took him. That's what he's going to say. (laughs) Have you noticed the uptick right now in the government? Now the government is saying that there are UFOs. Did you know that the American government is now saying there are UFOs? We know this is a lie. 
They have to do this because they, how are you going to explain to a natural man millions of people taken from the earth? To a natural man, a man without the Spirit of God, a man who does not know what the Bible says about the rapture of, of the church being caught up to be with the Lord, and, and everybody's gone. Family members are gone. A baby's gone. And they're left behind. The chaos is happening. And one man's going to rise up, and he's going to have the answers. He's going to speak wonderful things. Daniel said he's going to speak wonderful things. He's going to... He's going to be the, an orator. He's going to be one that can bring everyone together. And this is what he's going to do. What have we all, all our lives been waiting for? Some peace for Israel, right? We've, that there would be peace with Israel, with all the nations around them, because they always keep trying to throw bombs at them and is for the peace of Jerusalem, right? Well, he's going to be able to do it. He's going to do what is called a, the Bible in Daniel talks about in Daniel chapter 9 it talks about the 70th 70th week of Daniel and he's going to do a covenant with Israel it's a seven year peace treaty peace with Israel but it's a pseudo peace that means it's not a real peace it's false because it's going to end but he he convinces them that he is going to bring them peace and, and part of the part of the peace treaty they're going to be able to offer up sacrifices again to the Lord. Remember, they're not Christians. Israel still has to live by the law of God. They still they have not been able to make sacrifice for their sin. Them. Even though we know that the sacrifice was made once and for all through Jesus Christ. So all that is dead. That doesn't mean anything. But in God's covenant with them, they still have to do it until they see him. Because right now, remember, we looked in, in Romans 11. They're, they're, they're hardened right now. They don't, they don't see the Messiah as Jesus. They're looking for the Messiah. So in their mind, they're in sin because they have not been able to offer up atonement for the sins of the people. The priest has not been able to go once a year like they did before and offer up the blood of bulls and goats to, to, to clear the conscience of the people. I mean, the, the sin of the people, not their conscience. That's what Jesus did. I know it's a lot, but this is why he's going to do this and he's going to institute that because they're building, they're rebuilding the temple right now. Israel is rebuilding the temple so that they can do that one day because it's part of the plan. And in the three and a half year mark, in the three and a half year mark, he's going to break that covenant, the Antichrist. He promised them peace and then he's going to break it at the three and a half year, uh, mark. Why? Because we just read in Revelation chapter 12, Satan has been cast down and now he's furious. He's angry because he can't go before God anymore and accuse them. And so now he knows this time is short and he is coming with fuel fury and he's using the Antichrist, the false prophet, empowering them. And there and now he turns against Israel. And uh, uh, Jesus talked about in the, in the book of uh, Matthew, he talks about the desolation that Daniel uh, abom- abomination, the desolation of abomination in Daniel, he is going to get in the temple of God and declare himself to be God. And oh my goodness, that, that he begins to speak words against God and against his people. And he turns to persecute them. He's going to break that covenant. And look, um, in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 7, let me see where I'm at. Okay, I got a few minutes. It says, 
Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression. This is Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Daniel, this is a New King James Version. Um, if you put it up there, I'm going to give you a second for that. Again, this is Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. This is speaking of that covenant that's being made, that the Antichrist is going to bring a covenant with Israel. All right, let's start again. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So that prince to come is speaking of that little horn or, and the Antichrist is the same person. Remember, little horn is what Daniel saw him to be. That was his name there. And uh, in the book of Revelation, he is the beast. And John says he is the Antichrist. And the end of it shall be with a flood till the end of the war. Desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. In the middle of the week, he shall break. He shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. So you see, this is where I'm saying where he breaks the covenant with Israel. He says no more sacrifice and offerings. You see that. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate desolate. Okay. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 20, uh, uh, Matthew 24. Jesus refers to um, this as the abomination of desolation. The little horn, the Antichrist turns against Israel, begins to persecute her, as I've been saying, at the three and a half mark, because it's going to be in the middle of the week that he's going to break the treaty. He's going to break it. He's going to say, you guys cannot. Because remember, at the beginning of the treaty, yes, yes, you can make, you, go ahead and sacrifice. Remember, in Daniel, he says he's going to, He's going to uh, try to change the times and the law. What does that mean? The Antichrist is going to come into the temple and he's going to say, no more worship to that God. You're going to worship me. I'm God. Right? We know this because he puts the image of himself and everybody. And then the false prophet leads the world to worship the image of the beast. And whoever does not worship the image of the beast why? We know this from the beginning. Satan has wanted to be God. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be like God. And he's going to be destroyed. But it's for he's got a little time. He's given seven years. It's not a very long time. There's so much more I can get into, but I'm going to pause there. I want you to know that. And um, the Antichrist is full of himself. He thinks so highly of himself. He uh, but he doesn't realize his reign is short and judgment is going to happen. And I, I wanted to get here today where now the, the court is open, the court in heaven. And what, Dan, what Daniel saw 
was fire coming from God's throne. And when, that's, when it says that, when fire comes from God's throne, that means God is judging. And guess who's going to bring to bring the judgment? His son, Revelation 19. He's going to come. We're going to get there. We're going to read that next week. Revelation 19, where Jesus, the return of the king, he's coming. And now he's not coming as a baby in a manger. He's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. And he's going to destroy the wicked. And we don't, we don't, we don't know that, but you've got to understand when God does something, it is right. When we do something, it isn't right because we're not God. We don't know all the ins and outs. We can mess up. But when God comes and brings his justice on the earth, he's going to be right in doing it. And so uh, everybody that's on the side of the Antichrist, they're going to be dead. Actually, it's going to be such so many corpses on the ground that it's going to, that God's going to, Jesus is going to call, it's called the Supper of God. And he's going to call all the birds to come and eat the flesh of all the dead people that were killed in that battle. Whew! I mean, far from, far from a little baby and a suffering Savior, he's now coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to our hearts today. I know so much, Lord, but we, we, we want to be ready. We want to be ready, Lord. We want, to, we want to help people who are watching, people who are here, people who are going to listen later. We want them to be ready to meet the Lord. The Bible is clear. No one knows the day nor the hour. And I want to encourage you who are watching, those who are listening. Tomorrow is not promised to you. The Bible said it's destined for man to die once and after this we face the judgment. God does not want to judge you with Satan and his angels. He didn't create hell for you. He created for the devil, the beast and the false prophet and his angels and the demons. He created it for them. But if you reject the Lord, then you will find your place in the lake of fire, just as Satan is going to be one day. But God sent his son. In the fullness of time, God, who is rich in mercy, sent Jesus Christ our Lord. And He died on that cross and He bled on that cross for your sin, for my sins and the sin of the world. Man, if you would repent today of your sin, turn away from it and then begin to turn to God and believe the good news that God has given men eternal life and this eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ's Son. John wrote to us that he who has the Son of God has eternal life and he who does not have the Son does not have life in them. You want to live forever with God? Repent and believe on Jesus. Turn to him today. Give him your life. For my brother and sister here, those who are listening, I want to encourage you today. If you haven't been faithful in making disciples, that you would repent and say, Lord, here I am. If you can use anything, use me. You don't have to be an orator. You don't have to be the wisest person on this earth. You just got to have a broken and contrite heart, a willing heart. And you're going to see God use you. (laughs) You're going to be used in a way that you can't even imagine. Because that's the God we serve. He is able and more than able. The question is, are you willing 
And if you are, you right there in your home, right where you are, right in your house, wherever you are, driving your car, pulse to the side, turn, turn to the side, and just right there from your car seat, say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Use me with my neighbor. Use me with my family member. Use me in my job. Use me wherever I am, Lord. Here I am. I'm willing. I don't know what to say, Lord, but you said in your word that your spirit will give us the words. And I don't want to just say, I don't know what to say. I want to learn what to say. I want to read the word of God. I want to, I want to learn from you. I want to sit at your feet just as Mary did. She sat at the Lord's feet. And what a privilege we have as Christians every day that we can come and to the court, into his courts with thanksgiving in our hearts. We can enter his presence every day and learn from the Lord by his spirit. What a privilege we have as Christians to enter the most holy place. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we love you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.